Good evening and welcome to another episode of a German and a, God damn it, a German and an Aussie reviewer movie. Yeah, it's been so long that you're already forgetting the title. About time we're doing it again. <laughs> and the movie we'll be reviewing this episode is Murder Mystery 2. There's been a bit of a gap between our last podcast. That's because Gregor has been running around all over Europe following his girlfriend to Spain. So tell us about that, Gregor. Yeah, I had my own murder mystery, except disappointingly no one got murdered. It was just running all across Europe. And uh, yeah, we were at uh, Feria in uh, Sevilla, and uh, it's very uh, Spanish, very intense, very cultural. As uh, to quote you, Jared, when I sent you some photos, what did you say? Because you sent me a short video of your girlfriend, and she was dancing, I think, with some friends or her sister or something. And a lot of the people were in traditional Spanish outfits. And it just seemed really weird to see someone that I knew in that context, because you only really see it on screen and in movies. And it's almost like it's not quite yeah. real. When you're in Australia, you're quite isolated from all those cultural European influences. And you only really see them on television or when you travel there. I thought it looked really fascinating. You think, wow, Spanish people really do dress up like Spanish people, <laughs> which made me sound yeah, incredibly but- ignorant. But anyway. No, but it made me think when you said it, I was a little bit like, yes, it feels like uh, I stumbled into a movie set. This festival, especially, you really feel like you're traveling back in time. All the women are wearing these flamenco dresses. There are a lot of people on, on horses, on horse carriages, wearing these traditional horse riding outfits from, I guess, 200 years ago. And you really feel like, wait, is this set up for like a Tarantino movie or uh, is this real? Good observation to bring the story back to movies. I really felt a bit like on a movie set. Uh, the men dressed to say like Toreadors or something like that? <laughs> no, it's not going that far. I think some of the ones riding the horse carriages, these outfits are... No, I don't want to say anything wrong. They're definitely like old-fashioned historical outfits, but I don't think like the yeah Torero. Um, the men have it easy we just wear a suit but suit and many wear tie even so it's uh it's very classy so many well-dressed people you almost uh, feel like you're at a Geraldo family gathering <laughs> yeah well i haven't really been doing anything much i the most exciting thing is i did get my crown so now i am tooth pain free but the interesting part is dennis was putting it in and he's saying now uh we can't find a color quite as yellow as your teeth <laughs> So we'll we'll just put this light sort of like white in. Is that all right? We can't quite match the tooth. <laughs> but anyway, so he put it in and it's made a big difference. That tooth has been really sore on and off for like 25 years. You don't realise that you're compensating by chewing on one side of your mouth more than you normally would. And all these little things that you don't even know you're doing because you're so used to doing them. You might have to go to England to find the right colour. <laughs> yes, the colour of cheese, thanks. But he did discuss with me, we're possibly going to do a smile makeover, Gregor. And what they do, this is quite fascinating, is because he doesn't want to just make my teeth look the way they are. He wants to fill out my smile in a different way. Like, it's really interesting. And because he has this mathematical approach to it, where it should be this, and it should take up this amount of your mouth and this distance between the teeth and all that sort of stuff. So what they do is they take all, you know, what they think it should be, and you agree to it. And then they actually do like a little plate that you can stick in. So you can see what it's going to look like before you do it. Nice. You know? You're looking like Tom Cruise, then? Well, <laughs> well, I don't want it. I wouldn't. Well, I don't want really white teeth because I just think a couple of times I've met some, you know, older people and they've got these bright, white, straight, 
perfect teeth and it looks like there's an alien inside them <laughs> trying to get out. Um, yeah, it can be a bit weird almost. It sticks yeah. out so much that it uh, feels like it doesn't belong to the body. Yeah, it doesn't belong to the body. So I w- if I did get them, I wouldn't get bright white. I mean, they'd be whiter, of course, but I would have them a, a dull or white. Like I wouldn't have, because I've never had white, really white teeth. But all dental chat aside, we're here to review a movie, and the movie we're reviewing is one that I picked, which is Murder Mystery 2. And it's a Netflix release, and it stars Jennifer Aniston and Adam Sandler in a fairly mainstream, pleasing, glossy show. We will have some spoilers for this, but we'll let you know when you but we'll let you know when the spoiler section is going to start. So Gregor, what are your overall thoughts about this film? Yeah, Jared, first of all, I want to thank you once again for picking such a cine- cinematic masterpiece. <laughs> to be uh, fair, and I think that doesn't surprise anyone who knows me, I would have probably never watched that movie if you would have proposed it for our podcast. In the end, I would have lived a happy life, I think, without ever seeing that movie. It is, I think, the best thing I can say about it is that it's quite short and it's over quite fast. It's a movie full of dead jokes. If you like Adam Sandler, you're going to love this movie because it's definitely, you get what you expect. But uh, yeah, I'm not, a, I'm not a big big Sandler guy, not a huge dead joke guy. I maybe should have watched Murder Mystery 1 as well, but I just couldn't bring myself to watching two of those movies because I thought some of it were like inside jokes where uh, then was even more of. But uh, overall, it doesn't hurt watching it, but also it doesn't hurt not watching it. What were your thoughts, Gerardo? I thought it was an easy sort of glossy watch. like, And something happens every five minutes. Like You're certainly not bored during it, I think, because there's a lot going on. and. Like a lot of American films, you know, the, the sets are interesting, the architecture is interesting, there's an emphasis on the clothes, particularly for the women. It all looks good. And there's a lot of cars, there's loads and loads of sponsorship all through it. Oh, I thought God, that was yeah. so obvious, like to the point where it was almost crazy, because it starts off, basically, Jennifer Aniston and Adam Sandler play a couple who basically come across murders and solve them. That's the basic. This is the second time they've, you know, done a movie like this. And this time they're in a, they go to a resort in Hawaii that you wouldn't think that they could have afforded. <laughs> I actually looked up where it was filmed because there was so much product placement for the resort where they were, where it was filmed. Just really, really obviously. So I wanted to know where it was filmed and it was apparently filmed in Hawaii. It was very beautiful. And of course, someone gets murdered and then they have to work out who did it. And it takes them to Paris. Why did they go to Paris again? I can't even remember. What was the plot and, device? Uh, also, they get invited to a wedding to the island, so I guess that's, oh, that's right. so they can afford it. So that's where already Murder Mystery 1 clicks in. So listen, if you've seen Murder Mystery 1, I'm sure this one will bring you uh, more joy. But uh, basically, some people of the first movie are on the wedding. One of the people from the first movie, a super annoying, slightly racist Indian character, I guess. Yeah, what was that all about? It's <laughs> getting married. Is getting married to a, a French woman, actually played by a fairly good French actress, Melanie Laurent. The two have really no chemistry at all. It's like so unbelievable that they w- would be a couple and even get married. But anyway, they get invited by them to the wedding on the island. And then what you at first think is the groom called Maharaja uh, supposedly gets murdered. And um, it turns out that it was... Uh, 
someone else getting murdered, a non-important character, but uh, the Maharaja then gets kidnapped and the kidnappers uh, ask for a ransom. And uh, that's yeah how the couple ends up in, in Paris. And I have to say, I agree with you that what the movie does quite well is that as soon as one location gets a bit boring or one character gets too annoying, which happens quite fast, they just switch the location and uh, almost like switch the storyline. So it always keeps, it never keeps like in a scenery, it feels more than 10 minutes. That makes it a bit easier to stick with it. And then I guess they are in Paris, but also there are a lot of location changes, a lot of twists. But and in then the, in end, the it, end, they have an, an Indian wedding with Adam and Jennifer doing a Bollywood style routine. <laughs> of course, of course. <laughs> I haven't seen the first movie, of, okay, but I, I felt like Adam Sandler, of course, perfect the role for him. Although he was stepping out of his comfort zone a bit with, for example, Uncut Gems, which we saw in Australia right in the yeah, beginning, yeah. if you remember. Yeah, which I, saw. I do. I do remember all the swearing. Yes, Jared's review of that movie was just like a Jewish guy in New York uh, yelling and swearing all the time. But I thought the movie was very good and interesting, obviously was well reviewed by critics as well. And it was very different. Or it was a more dramatic and more serious role for Adam Sandler. But now he's going back to his old comedy shtick. Fair enough. I feel like Jennifer Aniston for me is a bit miscast. I feel like in this movie, why why do they always need to take like a super good looking Hollywood actress? I actually read that before they considered Charlie Theron for the first one which is like stupid. Just take like an average woman who is funny. And and Jennifer Aniston for me, it just doesn't fit the role. It's not really believable that they would be married. She, she's been much funnier, I find, when she plays like the sexy but cold-blooded um, character like in Horrible Bosses, if you've seen that. Or well, where um, the Millers. I, I thought she was really good exactly. in Exactly. Yeah. I feel like she's much better than that. And just take like a, a funny, uh, but not super attractive actress for this movie. I got a bit off on that maybe, but uh, what, what did you think about the the casting or the, the chemistry between the, the main actors? I thought it was really inconsistent. Like every now and then you think, oh yeah, that's kind of cute. And then it would be like, why are these two people together? What's binding these two people? I mean, the, the bits were, I thought they worked better in the scenes with just them chatting. But when they were as part of an ensemble, I felt they didn't stand up as a couple. Good point, you know, so, yeah. so they've, they've got chemistry between themselves, but I think as projecting the idea of a couple, I don't think it quite works. And another thing that I really noticed with it too, and I've noticed this too just recently, when I watched, because I, I watched all the Super Bowl commercials and all that sort of stuff, you know, when that was on, got a mainstream American actors, popular ones, are getting really old. Like, like you think about it. Like, I remember watching Super Bowl and seeing like Will Ferrell, John Travolta. Oh, you know, yeah. like then you and then you've got like you know Jennifer Aniston and Adam Sandler and Jennifer Lopez and Ben Affleck. These people are really they're beyond middle age. Like, I'm not ragging on it, but there doesn't seem to be another consistent generation of stars coming up to replace them. They just keep sticking them in roles that they're probably too old for. It's actually a very good point. I mean, I missed the conversation with you about people getting to all Geraldo. That's definitely one of the <laughs> top three Geraldo topics. But you've got to about. admit, in this thing, they, like Sam Sandler's nearly 60. Yeah, that's crazy. And it's actually a good point. It's that uh, often cited the death of the movie star. Do we 
actually still have like new a new generation of movie stars. I think this is kind of a proof against it. You, you're right. I agree with you. It's like, who are still the biggest movie stars? It's people like uh, Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt must be late 50s now or something. It's Tom Cruise, who's like over or 60 or something. Yeah, he's close to 60. And I'm not bragging on them for being old, but it's just it doesn't seem to be another layer filling in like, yeah, that's coming uh-huh. up. That's what, that's what I think is strange. And there used to be a big push, you know, because around in the 80s and the 90s to have like America's sweetheart. And Jennifer Aniston was definitely the world's America's sweetheart at one stage. And, you know, it's gone on for like 20, 30 years now, but there's not another young female star who is now the world's sweetheart. There might be girls that people like, and they'll put out a movie or two and people will like it, but there's not one person, say like Julia Roberts, that's a consistent box office draw, yeah. who more or less does the same role for years and years and years and everybody loves it. Yeah. Yeah, totally. But it's the um, consumer behavior has also just changed. Uh, if you think about Friends, this was like a TV show that at the peak, I don't know, like 50 million people watched or something. That just doesn't exist in that way anymore. There's way too much offers uh, in TV shows, screaming shows and so on, as well as in in movies. So I think it's also just not really doable anymore nowadays to have this movie star who's only like because there are only cinema movies and that there are only TV shows. So you, you only need to be in one thing every two years and you can be the, the box office. It, it's a complicated topic, but uh, I think that's also due to the times have changed. Yeah, there's only one person I can think of. Zendaya, I think, sort yeah. of hangs in there a bit. But even then, she's not a huge box office draw. You know what I mean? Like she's not the yeah. world's sweetheart. Like people like her and... She's a bit of a fashion icon and she stars in a few controversial shows. But her profile only really peaks when there's something out. Then she sort of goes yeah. away a bit until something else comes out. It's not like the Julia Roberts phenomenon or the Sandra Bullock phenomenon where they just maintained interest for years and decades. Totally. I think what also happened, it's a lot about IP now. So it's about, um, it's more, it's less about the actors or the person and more about, yeah, the brand. So Marvel movies. James Bond movies, uh, an HBO television show like The White Lotus or House of Dragons. This pulls more people and then, in a way, the actors are kind of replaceable. Yeah, um, I think you're right. Maybe that's the fact. They just maybe, yeah, just as the whole cycle of, like, attention is sped up, so is the life cycle of the people involved in entertainment, you know, like the popular cycle of them. But anyway, back to the movie, back to the movie. What I did like is I thought it had lots of nice locations. I enjoyed looking at Paris, even if there was a lot of CGI Paris in there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought the CGI was pretty obvious in this, but I didn't mind it because I thought it looked good. I thought the final revelation, as soon as the character who ultimately turned out to be the bad person showed up, I picked it straight away. It's like I thought, oh, this person just must be the bad guy. Yeah. And I feel in in this way, the movies, some of them, just this, some of these murder mysteries become kind of cheap because people have like seen everything. So people, I guess, become relatively good in guessing who could be the murderer. And then they deploy these tools like make you think the, the main suspect uh, died. Spoiler alert, one of the main uh, um, conspirators he obviously died in a car explosion. Like there's no way on earth he could have gotten out of that. 
But oh no, he survived with whatever tool they had in the car. It's of course fucking ridiculous because it's so obvious that that he is the bad guy that you're like, uh, okay, we need to kill this person. And then and then for me, it's just cheating because like, how how could you know that as a viewer that this person survived this explosion? Um, I feel like for me, the movie also had one problem. And that is, have you seen Glass Onion 2? No. Is it any good? Yeah, it's. And it's in many regards, it's the same movie, but it's a better version of it. And it came out uh, around Christmas. I think it was a huge hit, was also a Netflix exclusive. And for it, especially the first part of the movie, all I could think about was like, uh, this is like Glass Onion 2, but worse. Because it basically, the premise is that they go to an island of like a rich guy and uh, solve a murder there. And especially when they go to the island in the beginning, it's just so similar. Glass Onion 2 is not a perfect movie, but it's it's so much uh, smarter and they really they really still try to trick the viewer in a clever way and not with these cheap ones. But to be honest, I didn't really care too much who was the murderer right from the start. I don't know how you felt about it, but the stakes felt very low. It's like, I don't care about that annoying Indian guy. I, I kind of hope he gets murdered. That's uh, just low stakes for me. Yeah, I just felt that you could tell because a lot of the characters were put up as quite virtuous, so you knew it wasn't going to be them. You know what I mean? Like you just knew because yeah. they were too good and they were just the sort of people that would not get murdered in movies now. It would have been really interesting if one of them had ended up doing it because you would have gone, wow, I didn't expect that. Yeah, so there's no great surprises, but it's not that sort of film. It's not like a really intense mystery about who did what. It, though it, it sort of floats along and lots of things are happening, but the story doesn't really advance in any way. Like, it's just adventures with, you know, Jennifer and Adam, you know, what crazy stuff. And, hey, she's got a new outfit on now and doesn't it look good? They weren't really pushing the story. But then that's not what it's about. I think it's more a showcase for the stars to just have a bit of fun and take it, not take it too seriously. I also thought it's a bit of a movie for, it's like more of a comedy for middle-aged people. Oh, Jared, for sure. you, I liked it. You are, yeah. you are well with the middle-aged people. I mean, <laughs> I'm older than that. Person, but if, <laughs> yeah, I know. But you how, mean, like, how did you feel? It, it rides on a certain 90s nostalgia, that's for sure. In fact, I think that's, the perp- that's why it exists, just for the nostalgia factor of both of those stars. Actually, now I think about it, it is like a 90s movie. I could see this being a big hit in the 90s, like 94 or <laughs> yeah right the premise it sounds like a 90s premise yeah just you know lots of crazy stuff and you know a couple that sort of bicker a bit but kind of love each other and the guy not that attractive but the woman very attractive and like this mismatch couple yeah yeah totally and then people love adam sandler i think netflix has a exclusivity contract with him since i don't know 10 years or something Every movie he makes is uh, only on Netflix, and I think they paid him a shitload of money to bind him to the network because people love him. I think it's the perfect actor for streaming movies because you can switch it on, like my colleague says. You can do your laundry in the background or play on your phone, and Mm. it's like the perfect background music. It's certainly a cooking-the-dinner movie, like... I was a bit distracted myself during it. Like, I enjoyed it, but I was was doing other stuff on the side. It doesn't hold your attention to any great degree, but it does look really nice, I have to say. It does look really good. So when when are you coming to Europe so we can have our own murder mystery, Charles? (laughs) Are you going to murder me? (laughs) 
That would be a spoiler. I'm not going to tell that now. He's too young to die. That'll be the name of it. Taking um, out in the middle of his life, yeah. <laughs> Cut down in the prime of his life. No, look, I don't know whether I'll come to you. Look, Greg, it's just so expensive, man. I've got a mortgage and I've got a new stone bench I want to put under the kitchen. And, you know, I put in a new tap last week. <laughs> I've been That's hanging okay. pictures today. I do want to get over there. If you tie the knot with your missus, I might come over. <laughs> but you know no what? Pressure. I know you're not into yeah. marriage and I know it's an outdated institution and blah, blah, blah. We've had that conversation many times too. So <laughs> if you should, you know, decide to do that, I, or if you have a baby, I'd come over and have a look at it too. I might just get a baby or marry just to get you over. <laughs> actually, that's not a bad idea for a story, actually. I was just thinking that <laughs> two guys that used to live in a house end up going to America and solving a mystery, a murder. That would be pretty funny, actually. I'd watch that. Before we uh, slide too much away from the movie, what what would you give the what rating would you give the movie in the end? Oh, look, I'd give it three and a half, Stannon. Oh, very generous. Uh, I can't give it more than five uh, or two out of five, uh, Stannon. Anyone listening to this review will probably think there wasn't much reviewing done, and you're probably right. <laughs> but it's that sort of film. It's just like. No, nothing we can say will make you watch it or not watch it. You're either going to watch it or you're not. And you're either going to enjoy it or you're not. Um, I would recommend it as an easy throwaway sort of film. If, it, if you've got Netflix, gee, you know, and you've watched everything else 20 times, just watch it, put it on. It's easy. It's an easy watch. Yeah, fair enough. Won't hurt you. And you no, might learn uh, one or two new uh, amazing Adam Sandler jokes. <laughs> Yeah, I do sometimes wonder, though, how these projects get off the ground. Because there's a lot of money behind this, whether you're into it or not. It's not a cheap production, but there's a lot of sponsorship as well. And I sometimes think if these things just exist just to fulfil sponsorship contracts, like I sometimes wonder if they do. That's definitely one critique I have with the movie. If it's a cheaply made movie on a low budget, I guess they did what they could. But you can see there's so much money behind the movie, and and there are good actresses. Actors and actresses like yeah, for sure. Mark Strong and uh, and the French actress um, Melanie Laurent and all and then Danny Boone. Okay, he's a French comedy actor, but he's really big in France. And it's like you just feel these people are so underwhelmed, and they it's just an obvious paycheck for them. And maybe they're having a good time, so good for them. But you feel like you can do a little bit more out of what you have. Yes, I know what you mean. You sort of think, I often wonder too with these sort of films, if the cast all are just laughing about how crap it is and what a good deal they've got and they're all going to Hawaii and staying at a top resort and and then they're going to, you know, Paris and staying in a really nice place. And you're thinking, oh, well, it's pretty crap, but we'll get paid and I'll get lots of clothes out of it and I'll get to travel. and Then I can do two art movies again that make no money. But yeah, the, uh, I think they're both over their art movie stage because Jennifer, no. she did that one in the, the the Good Girl. Did you ever watch that? It's really good. Uh, I wasn't really referring to the main actors, but uh, no, I haven't seen that actually. I was more referring to, for example, uh, Melanie Laurent, the French actress, or um, uh, or Mark Strong, the English actor. No, what what's that movie about? So if you're a fan of Jennifer Aniston and you want to see her do something that's completely against type, I'd recommend The Good Girl which, you know, is, is certainly not a new flick. It was made in 2002, and it's certainly not a popular one, and most people would not remember she did it, and I really liked it. She basically, it's a very 
glammed down role. It's not rom commy at all. And she basically plays a woman who takes on a younger lover. It, it's, you know, it's her serious role, the role, yeah, the, a- anti, the anti-Rachel from Friends role. And, but I really liked it, but it gets really bad reviews all the time. I mean, I've seen a few of hers, but when she did all those ones, like The Object of My Affection and She's the One and all that sort of stuff, she's pretty much cemented her career now and she'll just play the femme fatales or light comedy. Doesn't really do much else. I think there are also not so many roles left in that direction. I can really recommend you the podcast. You must remember this. And oh, yeah. At the moment, they are doing a series called Erotic 90s. And it's just amazing to see how many erotic thrillers there were, like every year in the cinema. And there was, they were doing often really well. And it's just a genre that seems to have completely died out. I think it's 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 hard to do something different than like a, a streaming comedy or a superhero blockbuster or a, a remake or an IP like Top Gun or James Bond or whatever. Yes, and the new James Bond's going to be announced soon, Gregor. I'm sure you're very excited. The Daily Mail had a scoop this morning on it. Oh, who, who is is it? Prince Charles or Harry? <laughs> the Daily Mail is kind of flagging a story and they're not saying it's definitely going to be him but they're thinking it might be a guy called Richard Madden who I'd never heard of. It's Rob Stark from the Game of Thrones, Notice of the Wool. Um, Yeah, it's through through, um, Game of Thrones and it would be a very good fit. He already played a bit of a similar role in the actually I find very good TV show called Bodyguard from a couple of years ago, a BBC TV show. Perhaps it could be you, Gregor. Perhaps you they need a a German James Bond. Now that would be a true change. I'm trying to keep my profile low, so um, (laughs) let's maybe not air that because I think that would just uh, diminish my chances. What they need is a middle-aged, curly-headed guy from Australia. That's what they need. (laughs) That's Austin Powers, Charlie. You're considered for the Austin Powers. Well, the teeth. You gotta keep your teeth, though. <laughs> well, they will be. Wait till I've got my Hollywood smile, then you regret it.